The Philadelphia Eagles have traded the 32nd pick to the Baltimore Ravens. With the 32nd pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Baltimore Ravens select Lamar Jackson, quarterback, Louisville. It is NFL Draft Week. Andrew Dowdy here on the High Motor Podcast. Days before the 2020 NFL Draft. It's an NFL Draft that we still don't know what it really will look like to us watching. And I was on a teleconference last week with Seth Markman. He's the ESPN VP of Production. Mark Quinzel, he's the VP of Programming and Production at NFL Network. And because ESPN and the NFL Network have partnered in some uh, form to broadcast this draft, they were on a call together to explain basically how this is going to go down, what it's going to look like on TV, what technology they're using, how they're planning to have a camera on every coach, every GM, and every location across the league. Also, uh, Seth Markman calling it the most complicated event he's ever done. His exact quote, which is about six to seven minutes into this audio that I'm going to play for you at the end of the show, is, it's damn complicated. So there's that, some more logistics on some other stuff. Um, you know, Like I've done in the past with other draft calls, it's not going to be the full call that I have here because there's a lot of repeat information and, frankly, stuff that I didn't find worthwhile and I'm certain that you won't find worthwhile. I chopped up that audio quite a bit and grabbed what I believe you'll find the most interesting. And that's going to be the, the latter portion of today's show. Before that, before that call, I'm going to have Ben Barch on here in a minute, Division Three offensive lineman from St. John's University, not too far from me. A guy who's from Oregon, had zero scholarship offers of any kind, no FBS, no FCS. Now in position to to be a day two, early day three pick. And then back on the High Motor Podcast on Wednesday with Chase Kitty, uh, he's going to tell you why you shouldn't bet on NFL draft props, why it's a waste of money, why you should not take those. That'll be on Wednesday with some other nonsense First here, it's Ben Barch on the High Motor Podcast. Then it's Seth Markman, Mark Quenzel as we approach the 2020 NFL Draft. Ben Barch from St. John's University joining the show in the final days before the most unusual NFL Draft that we've ever seen. Ben, what is your understanding of how the draft will go for you in terms of logistics you know instead of flying out like a normal year after the selection are you staying put after the draft how will all that go down from your understanding yeah so thanks for having me um the basic understanding that i have is that the draft will happen um you know via online and via phone and uh with the COVID 19 going on right now from what i've been told uh, most teams will have players remain where they're at and continue training and uh, different meetings and stuff will be conducted via Zoom or online format. So so you won't be ever, there are no plans to, I mean, obviously depends on what team you're selected by, but there are no plans to, to fly out or have anybody come to you at all right after the draft. From my understanding, currently, no. I think the NFL's taking this incredibly serious, just like the other sports organizations and leagues. So, um, you know, they're taking precautions, and I think most all players and teams are going to be following that. 
And then are you being told what to expect in those coming weeks? Yes, stay put for training or coming months, I guess. Or is it just completely unknown to you at this point after, you know, the next few weeks, what you're going to be doing? I think that it's primarily going to be learning uh, the system via Zoom calls or, you know, via online resources. Um, But as far as exact specifics, I can't tell you about that. No, I don't know. What happened exactly when, when the pre-draft process, I can't remember what day that kind of everything went down. Um, I know you said you're up in St. Joseph's right now. Were you always training there? Were you training somewhere else? Do you exactly remember when that all got disrupted and how that personally changed for you? Yeah, it was it was uh, mid, mid-March, and um, I was in Irvine, California. That's where I've been training um, down there. And so I was with uh, all the other guys in my draft class with uh, our agency training and working out. And um, we kind of decided, you know, it'd be a good idea to get back um, before any type of shutdown happens with uh, domestic travel or something like that. So I'm currently, yeah, I'm currently back at my house um, and have full access to working out and training and, um, yeah. Is that full access? Is that at St. John's or is that at a different gym? Uh, that's at a different gym. Um, we have we have kind of a, a home gym kind of set up with um, all the, the bells and whistles. And then I assume you've been doing some sort of team interviews over the last couple of months. And if you can answer this question, did you notice a change in tone or a change in questions from team before and after that process was disrupted? They start not specifically what questions they're asking, but do they start asking you different questions um, because they weren't able to see you in person then? I think that the senior bowl and the NFL combine, um, most all most all teams that I encountered were able to ask all the majority of their questions and um, cover stuff down there. Uh, a lot of the, the Zoom calls, though, they, they did entail very um, – very detailed questions as well. So I don't think any of the teams were constricted in any way or restrained um, in finding out what information they wanted to find out. And then in speaking with those teams, and again, obviously I don't expect specifics here, but you know, with those Zoom calls and at the Combine Senior Bowl, have you felt you know more or less comfortable with certain teams uh, as you consider them as a possible destination, whether that's a relationship with a, a particular individual that you might have known before this? Um, is there any team that you're talking to them and you say, wow, I'd really feel comfortable you know, in this system, in this situation with this coach? Yeah, I... Um... I definitely felt comfortable with multiple teams. Um, as far as one exact one, I can't give you that. Um, but I've def you, you definitely can feel um, feel the atmosphere of the interview, and um, whether it's body language or types of questions being asked or um, feedback you're getting from the person on the computer, um, you can definitely definitely tell um, who's more interested or you know that kind of thing. But been good it's it's also kind of hard to tell as well um who's kind of who and um you know what what teams are going to do so i can't really speak for them are you a mock draft guy i know that a lot of prospects i talk to say they don't look at them at all they they don't generally have an idea maybe you know day one day two or day three that kind of an idea of where they'll be selected but have you looked at any mocks do you have any idea of where you will be selected i am not a mock draft guy personally um I have, you know, a lot of work at hand to focus on with 
training and school. And I think that that's just added noise and distraction and doesn't really matter a whole lot, to be honest. Um, my agent keeps me informed and stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, from, from my understanding, anywhere from the third to, uh, late, late round. So and that day-to-day, what is that day-to-day right now for you? I mean, and how is that, that different? Obviously, location is different. Depend, you're not training at the same spot. But how has that, that day-to-day changed for you? Does it seem more difficult, obviously, since you're not out in Irvine to be, to be preparing um, adequately? I think you can, you can ultimately get an incredible workout or train properly anywhere. Um, I think I have everything I kind of need as far as the basics go of equipment. Um, so I have full access in that sense. So then I guess I would kind of say that working out by yourself requires, um, a little more motivation and, um, you know, proper mental mindset as well. Um, that's definitely a a factor for sure. Cooking and stuff and not having your meals prepped for you. You just have to keep on doing that too. And then going back to, to when you first arrived at St. John's, I mean, your story has been well documented without the offers. I think you said out in Oregon, you were paying to go to camps like at Oregon State. And when you get there as a tight end, I think your quote was, you just kind of plan to be the best tight end that St. John's has ever seen. At that time, you know, before or after the positional switch, were you thinking about the NFL? Like when you first got to St. John's, your first couple of years as a tight end, was the NFL on your mind? Or were you just thinking about being the best tight end uh, in St. John's history? I think. My mindset at that time was um, one would lead to the other. Um, you know, so as as a team, if we were going to win a lot of games and you know becoming the best at my team and then in the conference and then at St. John's or or however um, you kind of put that, I think um, that was my mindset. And I definitely did think a little a little bit like uh, if I could just run a faster forty, like I feel like I could be a really good player, or tight end. So. Yeah, I think I think I did think about that. And when do you feel like it turned the corner for you in terms of? I mean, did, did scouts start showing up? Um, were there more requests um, from your program to handle that? Was there a a, a day or, or even like a year where where you realized that that the attention was growing significantly? Yeah, I think um, I think kind of camp this last August, like it was you know three scouts a day um, during camp and alone, so. You know, it was, yeah, that definitely kind of heated up and um, I definitely noticed that, but also um, focused on not paying attention to that as well and just playing football and having fun and focusing on the team. All right, Ben, thanks for the time. Uh, You know, best of luck next weekend. I hope everything uh, goes smoothly for you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you. Can you uh, give us an idea of, some of the technologies that you might use or that you plan to use maybe beyond zoom are there anything um, sort of new technologies that will help in the production of this and, and and a glimpse of what it might look like what 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 how we would differentiate this from a from a typical draft well obviously as was announced the commissioner will be um, making the picks remotely um, in addition to that uh, we have 58 prospects spread out all over the country that will um, be joining us via, via Wi-Fi uh, signals. Um, we also have uh, the various clubs, GMs, coaches, uh, 
plus a, n- a number of elements with special picks and a number of elements with um, uh, shout-outs and tributes to first responders uh, and medical professionals. Uh, that's a long way of saying, uh, I think, at last count, there was something in the neighborhood of about 170, 180 various elements and feeds coming uh, from various parts of the country. Uh, to manage that, <clears throat> we grouped them, uh, prospects, general managers, coaches, uh, and others, uh, and actually we're, we're running them through call centers, video call centers, um, that will collect them all and then send them on to ESPN in batches and smaller groups to make it manageable. Because uh, in fairness, I mean, Seth and his team are fantastic, but the number of potential things that you could do in any given moment uh, and the number of uh, assets that you have, the number of sources that you have is just mind-boggling. Uh, uh, so we're trying to make sure that we streamline that into ESPN, into Bristol, so that uh, so that it becomes more manageable. Uh, we also have uh, used uh, a number of technologies to make sure that um, we have as many backups as we can, um, whether it happens to be Wi-Fi, whether it's uplinks, that type of thing. And I think that's really the, the challenge here is twofold. First of all is to make sure all the technologies work. Um, uh, and that's been a massive effort by uh, a number of people, including our NFL IT departments and various the two broadcasting departments and engineering departments. Um, and the second thing is to make sure that uh, when Seth and his team uh, produce both broadcasts, that um, that we have an idea what we're trying to accomplish. I mean, clearly it is about drafting players, but even more clearly it's about uh, setting the tone uh, that we understand that there's something much larger than us uh, going on in the world, and how do we set that tone first thing on Thursday night, and how do we continue to maintain it uh, through the three days of the draft? And uh, we're working very hard with Seth and his team to make sure that we're accomplishing that, uh, as well as using all the technology and all the thousand points of light coming in from all over the country to make sure that uh, we're providing the best draft possible. It's perfect. I would just add, um, you know, Mark laid it out really well. I think, you know, I just want to thank our colleagues in Disney's T- DTCI technology team, who's also worked closely with Mark's group um, and the NFL, and and has been just doing an unbelievable job for the past month, keeping our shows on the air and transitioning all of our talent to home cameras. So that that's what you're going to notice the most from a. I think the second part of your question, Sam, what it look like. Um, you know, Trey Wingo will be um, solo hosting this for ESPN NFL Network broadcast in Bristol on his own. Uh, we do have Susie Calber with him. She's going to be trying to do some interviews with prospects, hopefully if the technology holds, uh, when guys get drafted. Um, Susie will do some of the interviews that she normally does. Everybody else will be on home cameras. So as Mark mentioned, there's so many different feeds coming in. On the ABC side, we do have a few more people in studio. Um, again, they'll be spread out. It'll look differently. But we have Reese Davis, Maria Taylor, and Jesse Palmer that are going to be in the studio together um, just based on pure geography and the their, how close they are to Bristol. Um, it was easier to get them uh, into studio. We just you know, from the ESPN NFL side, we were just trying to be as safe as possible, keeping as many people as home at home as as possible. Uh, good morning, guys. Can you just tell me how you're going to do? You know, normally you have cameras in teams 
draft rooms, you know, for the far away wide angle shots. Have any GMs or coaches agreed to let you put a camera where they're doing the draft? And if so, who? The commissioner uh, meeting with the teams, meeting with the various committees. Um, and I should note that the league itself, Seth talked about ESPN and proper social distancing. The draft itself, um, the execution of the draft, um, is will be held the same way. Um, coaches will be individually in one place. GMs will be individually in another place. Uh, that's happening across the league, all 32 teams. Um, we're also going to place cameras in all of those locations, all the coaches, all the GMs. Um, we have protocols in terms of what we can show and when we can show it. Uh, they're not all the time, um, but we have general access to them. And also it's designed by the league um, to make sure that in this unusual situation that uh, all the competitive um, uh, areas of the draft uh, are equal and that everyone's having, you know, has the same uh, technology and the same availability uh, to each other and to their other resources. So, uh, the answer is all teams will have uh, cameras. I say teams. All coaches and all GMs will have cameras uh, from where they are drafting. Hello. Just wanted to see how complicated this is compared to a normal draft and also other events. Yeah, I, I'll jump in. I, I, this is the most complicated event that I personally have been involved in, and I've been in ESPN. Uh, it'll be 27 years in June, so... I'll let Mark answer that as well, but I, the coordination that it's taking, um, and the, you know, the, the, the just magnitude of the event that we need to do here. And as Mark mentioned, the amount of feeds that are coming in, uh, the technology that we're trying to use, all preparing for this where we can't, you know, we haven't been face to face with our employees to have any kind of meetings. Um, you know, obviously we're doing like everybody else we've done, you know, virtual meetings. Um, I myself haven't even been in the ESPN building in three weeks, and, you know, I'm planning on coming in next week for the first time in a while, and so is a lot of other people. So it's just been it, – it's complicated. It's it, And now we're adding, you know, the joint broadcast, which is 100% the right thing to do, but, you know, that adds another layer of kind of complications. And, you know, we are also producing the ABC broadcast, um you know, at ESPN's uh, headquarters as well. So that's another complication. So I I just don't know what I can compare it to. Um, it, it's, it's certainly unique, and, um, you know, we're excited about it. And, you know, it's sort of kind of something that, you know, ESPN employees, and I'll speak for Mark, and I know many people at the NFL Network, we, we, we do enjoy challenges. This isn't one we've ever wanted to have and hopefully never have again. But um, I know everybody's going to rise up to to this challenge. And, uh, you know, we just have a lot of people that you say kind of this is what we want to do, and they just make it happen. And um, I feel really confident, but I will say it is it is it is damn complicated. Yeah, I did. I'm a little bit older than Seth, but I'd say the same thing. Uh, obviously, been involved in, you know, Super Bowls, NBA Finals, Olympics, I mean, you name it. Um, I, I, there's nothing that even comes close. To this, um, and I think the, there's a lot of challenges, all the feeds and everything. Uh, but I think Seth would agree. The, the thing we're really focused on is communication, um, not just communicating with so many more people uh, than we ever have before simultaneously, 
but uh, commuting, communicating with them, most of them remotely, uh, and, and, and trying to make sure that that all works. Uh, and, and I think that's going to be a, a huge, huge part of what we do is um, making sure not only that we have all the elements that we need, but making sure that everybody knows when they're needed, what we're going to do, that type of thing, all in real time. And, and that's a huge challenge for everybody. Um, I'd also say to what Seth said, look, obviously um, we're here doing this and, and nobody's happy for the, obviously the reason why is just horrific. Um, that said, I think everybody involved, and I think I can speak for Seth's people, um, we realize that not just, this is not a normal draft, not in terms of just how we're executing it, um, but I think we all feel a special responsibility to do a spectacular, as best we can, meaningful uh, uh, draft uh, for, for so many people. And I think that special sort of responsibility uh, is driving everybody right now. I was wondering what you've learned over the last month from kind of doing remote broadcasts and things in terms of what what sort of lower quality video feed or audio feed viewers will accept or kind of where they'll understand and, and be charmed by the house shots and, and, and where they won't and, and where they expect kind of really high quality things. Yeah. I'll, I'll speak to that since, you know, we've, we've been doing this from day one here at ESPN, you know, you said it, I, I, I think viewers have an unbelievable new understanding and tolerance for, for, you know, anything that, that we need to do at this point. You know, I've, I've watched shows on other networks where people are in their basements or um, the signal isn't that strong or, you know, people have headphones on or, or ear, you know, um, AirPods or whatever they have in their ears. And, you know, I, I just will tell you that we have not gotten any feedback from viewers, you know, um, being disappointed in the quality or, um, or what anything looks like, um, you know, I think people understand it, and I think that they're appreciative that we are trying to do our best to create some normalcy, even though we can't, and also that, that we are being as safe as possible. I think, you know, I would just say that I think everybody understands it's an extraordinary situation and that, you know, what they see is not what they're used to or what will hopefully go back to at some point, but, you know, I think there's some things that, you know, when we get through all this, we'll, we'll learn from, and also you may see more of, you know, like we have so many home cameras now with our talent um, that, you know, in the future when there's major breaking news, uh, you know, we used to rely on a lot of phone calls in, and, and now, you know, we've, we've got everybody's homes um, outfitted such that, you know, it will allow us to get many more faces and voices on TV instantly once we get through this. And that's just, you know, kind of one of the, the good things I hope that'll come from this. Also, you know, just the learned and adjusted, you know, to use um, different virtual technology to replace some in-person meetings and uh, communicate with each other. I, I don't think those will go away. Yeah, I'd add, I'd add to that. I think that's 100% right. But we're trying things, so many things that we've never done before. And some of them will work, will work better than others. Some will not work as well as we would hope. Uh, and we're prepared to adjust for that. But it, I think, again, for, for me and I think for Seth, it, it's worth trying, okay, number one. And number two, as I sit here, you know, with no place to go working on this with Seth and, and many others, I've got the TV on and I'm watching what other people are doing. I'm watching, you know, 
You just saw what Saturday Night Live did and what the late night talk shows are doing and all these various things that, that people are trying. And sometimes I look at it and I go, yeah, I get that. And then sometimes I look at it and go, how the heck did they do that? All right. And I think that helps inform us in terms of, you know, p- potential avenues we can go down to try things we haven't tried before. This one's from Mark. Mark, at what point in this whole process did you realize it probably wasn't going to be doable to have a separate broadcast? And, I mean, were the, was building access at, at NFL Network and at Films in Mount Laurel basically the the biggest uh, roadblock to, to having a separate broadcast? I, I don't think we really looked at it that way. <clears throat> I think we looked at it, as I said earlier, and talking with Seth and then talking with our respective managements, we really looked at it and said, what's the best thing to do here uh, for NFL fans? Um, and as we've articulated the the lift here technically operationally from a production standpoint is extraordinary, uh, not just in terms of the, 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 the overall, but in terms of doing so many things that we haven't done before. Um, and to sit here and say, well, so that we can have two distinct broadcasts, um, we're going to do all of that twice. Um, it just didn't make any sense. Um, you sit there and say all that energy uh, and all those resources, and all that talent that we put into um, into these shows would be better served bringing it together in a unified situation versus trying to do everything twice. That just at the end of the day, once you get past the ownership quote part of it, uh, the best way to do this was the way we're doing it now. It was less about always less about the facilities, honestly, than it was about what was the best way to execute a very, very difficult show. Why make it two? What can you guys tell us about exactly what the setup will be for the commissioner and how you know how that's going to look in his house? <laughs> not much, um, <laughs> but not because I'm not because I'm trying to keep it from you. Um, look, we're still working through it. Um, our events team and our design teams, the league design teams, um, working with uh, obviously uh, ESPN and the broadcasters. We're, we're, we're figuring all that out now. Uh, Literally, there are iterations of what it will look like and, you know, is he standing, is he sitting, is he, you know, all that sort of stuff. What's behind him, what's in front of him. All those things are are coming into play and are still being worked on. Um, I think we're getting there. Um, But anything I told you now would probably be inaccurate two hours from now. What's the biggest concern right now and and how much, uh, obviously you couldn't do a test run with how exactly it's going to work, but... How many test runs have you made, and what is your biggest concern? I think just all the technology is my biggest concern. I think, you know, we we can't do any test runs yet. We will do a bunch next week towards the middle of next week, um, you know, as close as we can to, to getting the draft uh, on the air Thursday, so probably, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, you know, and, and we would normally do some rehearsals anyway, and even if we were at, you know, in Las Vegas, for instance, this year. But um, this will be a much greater rehearsal and to try to um, test all the technology. I think, you know, we, we, we'd really like to still be able to talk to the prospects, to the players after they're getting drafted, to hear from them. You know, on the ABC side, we had a, we had a lot of success last year with Tom Rinaldi interviewing player families to just – you know, to change that broadcast a little bit, um, to make it a little more about the journeys and their families. And um, we want to try to do that again. So I think, you know, with all the complications, I think 
I just want to make sure that we can still have some of those moments. I think the draft will will work. Like the draft, you know, um, the teams and the getting the picks in and all that that's going to work and that's going to be fine and that's not really our main concern anyway. But I I think just making sure that all these um, outlets that we have to try to get different shots of players and hear from players and teams that we get all of that. You know, I think that's just, you know, kind of what keeps me up a little bit at night, but I do have great confidence, you know, and that's what I keep saying is I know the people that are working on this and I know um, even though we're working with smaller crews and uh, in extraordinary times, like I think we're going to be fine, but like until we actually see it on the air, you know, we can't be a hundred percent sure. What kind of potential audiences do you think you could draw for this during this sports <laughs> shutdown? And then, Seth, I want to ask you, what has been the impact of ABC doing its own draft on the overall coverage? I guess I can go first there. Uh, look, I'm, I'm not even going to offer a guess on the ratings. Um, you know, this event annually draws a really, really big audience. You know, there's obviously a lot of anticipation this year. Um, you know, I... I think Mark and I both thought, even before all this happened, based on the quality of the class, which we've kind of like, kind of lost, um, you know, a little sight of over the last few weeks, which we can understand. But, you know, we normally talk about quality of class, and and this one is is right up there. You know, you have household names, big quarterbacks, big quarterbacks, you know, college stars, national champions. So I think we we were set up for a a big ratings year anyway. I think. But I think, you know, because of the circumstances we're all in, you know, I think we're just waiting kind of to see, you know. I think we're optimistic about it, you know. Um, you know, real- realistically, I think you all know we don't have the competition we may normally have, um, you know, whether it be NBA playoffs or, or other other sports, baseball, um, you know, that we would normally get. So there's there's – I think there's more eyeballs and more anticipation. Um, but – you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even hazard a guess right now. Country roads take me home to the place.